Super Talk Mississippi media production. Hi, this is Dr. Andy Barlow with the Chiropractic Physician Center of Tupelo and author of the number one best-selling book, The Code Breaker. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Then call my office at 662-844-1414 and order my new book, The Code Breaker. Welcome into this Thursday edition of the Rebel Report. I'm Michael Borky. Thank you so much for making the podcast a part of your day. And yeah, it is a day late, I know, uh, as you can probably hear. Uh, my biannual sinus infection has hit. I get one right around now every year, and I get one uh, towards the end of the year, every single year. And before you ask, I do know, I know for sure uh, that this is not coronavirus. Just one of those things, uh, this seasonal stuff happens to me. I'm one of the unfortunate ones that gets this twice a year, every single year. It's kicked my butt, and yesterday, I just, I, I was not feeling 100%. Uh, could not record a podcast. I'm feeling better this morning. Uh, had to get this uh, to you. And man, it's kind of funny to me, though. Uh, considering everything that's gone on, uh, sneezing in public right now <laughs> is not, not a good thing to do because everybody stares at you. You know, the second you do it, everybody turns and looks and like gives you this really mean, like, just staring a hole right through you. Is this guy really out here sick and sneezing right now and everybody's got coronavirus? Uh, I got that yesterday. I had to, I literally had to put my hands up and say, it's okay. It's not what you think it is. I promise. So um, I'm all good. I feel like crap, but I, I, I'm ready to go uh, on this Thursday. And it is really good to be with you. Follow me on Twitter if you like at Michael Borky. And again, I appreciate you guys so much uh, for listening. As football season gets closer, the numbers keep going up. I, I really, I really do appreciate uh, you, you guys hanging on. I know this this podcast has had a, a turnover a couple of times now, and, and you guys are sticking around, and uh, that is a great compliment. And so for that, I thank you. Uh, football's back in Mississippi today. I'm thrilled about this. So I'm feeling well enough to hit the road today. The show, the radio show, uh, the one I do every afternoon. Uh, we are broadcasting live uh, outside of the Rock in Hattiesburg. So college football in Mississippi starts today. Southern Miss, a uh, two-touchdown favorite. I think you can get them at 13-and-a-half uh, over South Alabama. So I guess the Jags aren't supposed to be very good because Southern Miss had a handful of guys uh, opt out over the last couple of weeks. But they still have Jack Abraham, and he's one of the best, if not the best, quarterback uh, at the Group of Five level. Uh, he's back. A lot of people expect big things from that Southern Miss offense. And they get started tonight. FBS football begins tonight. Central Arkansas, who, by the way, after they played Austin P on Saturday, they did not return to Conway. They actually, if I understand it correctly, stayed in Alabama. But they played a game on Saturday night, have been tested twice now as a team, but a single positive. So it can be done. They're playing at UAB tonight in the final season of Legion Field. I don't know what they're going to do um, after this year, uh, but UAB is currently building a brand new stadium. Uh, it looks great. The renderings are awesome. Uh, and right next door, literally across a very small street from UAB Stadium, is the Birmingham Top Golf. I think that's so cool. Imagine tailgating at Top Golf and then walking across the street to go watch a football game. I think that's pretty sweet. So uh, the final season for Legion Field is beginning tonight with Central Arkansas at UAB and then South Alabama and Southern Miss. It's a late game. I mean, I feel bad for the 7,000 or so fans that are able to go. Uh, for a Thursday night 
uh, opening game of the season starting at 8 o'clock. That's, uh, that's going to be a late one. But, hey, it is college football, and I'm certainly not going to complain. Speaking of college football, I've got a couple of old Miss topics to get to with you. But first, I do want to remind you that the podcast, as always, is brought to you by LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue. Uh, college football, like I said, kicking off tonight. We got a, a handful of games this weekend. A sneaky good one with Arkansas State and Memphis coming up on Saturday night. So go by LBC, Greg. Tell them we sent you and uh, get something for the grill this weekend. And don't forget to stop by and get one of their daily lunch specials. That's LBs just across from Kroger on University Avenue there in Oxford. So uh, a lot of people have asked recently about um, the status of Sam Williams, and it sounds like we got a little bit of clarity on it yesterday. Uh, I was alerted to... um, a report that Neil McCready made, a friend of mine sent me a screenshot of it and asked if it was true. And basically, here's what, what Neil said on his message board. Um, he said, quote, a source close to the situation tells me things with Sam Williams' potential return to the Ole Miss football team are trending in a good direction, but nothing is official yet. The source said there are still a lot of steps left before Williams could get back on the field. So that's from Neil McCready, and if he says it, uh, I certainly believe it. Um and so after after that, after that was sent to me, I asked somebody that I think would know these kind of things, and they said something very similar. Uh, so uh, according to somebody that I talked to yesterday, the growing sentiment around Ole Miss football is that Sam Williams is going to be able uh, to return to the football team at some point. They feel good about that situation. And from a football perspective, even if he hasn't been working out lately, which I believe that's not true. I think he's he's tried to stay as much in game shape as possible during uh, the, the legal situation and it playing itself out. Um, he is a win-loss difference. That's how impactful a guy like him is to, to any football team, but especially this one for Ole Miss. Ole Miss has a handful of toss-up games. And I think Sam Williams is the kind of guy that can make the difference between winning and losing one of those toss-up games. I really do. He's that good. He is a future NFL defensive end. And when you look at Ole Miss's schedule right now, um, Kentucky, even though they'll probably be a touchdown or more underdog, uh, Kentucky, South Carolina, Mississippi State, I think Sam Williams might be the the kind of guy that's a difference between a win and a loss against a South Carolina. I think he's really that good and that impactful. Uh, can get to the quarterback. Is actually really good on run defense, even though people uh, call him a pass-rushing specialist. I understand why, but uh, he's just a solid, all-around, outside defensive end. I guess some people call him an outside linebacker. And I truly think that if he does return, that's the difference. That will be the difference between at least one win and one loss on the schedule. That's how impactful he can be on what most people think is an otherwise going to be a struggling defense. And that's okay. That's something that uh, all of you should expect. It's uh, Lane Kiffin's not going to be able to snap his fingers and have a, a top 25 defense, uh, considering the schedule and the personnel that they're dealing with right now. That's why he had to go to Canada to get a couple of transfers, because there's just a lack of bodies on defense, let alone uh, quality SEC depth. And they just simply don't have it. I'm going to play you some Kiffin audio coming up here in a little bit, and he'll tell you. I mean, it's not anything you guys don't know, but it is nice to hear a coach just be honest from time to time, and he says 
uh, hey, you guys, I mean, it's no secret. We're not the deepest team in the SEC. So, um, yeah, not you shouldn't expect to have a great defense, but e- even with that being said, somebody like Sam Williams can be that kind of an impact. So getting him back, if the reports are true, if the, the sentiment around the program right now is accurate and he is able to return soon, that is a huge, huge, huge deal uh, for Ole Miss and its potential to win a few games this year. I saw a report uh, talking about uh, bowl games, and you know that's kind of a far-fetched idea. If you've listened to this uh, every day, you've heard me say multiple times that the goal is uh, just to play 10 games and everything else is icing on top. Well, it sounds like there are some bowl games that are going to try to continue to put their game on, but right now... Uh, there are there's too much inventory for the teams that are even playing at all. So if you took every Division One team that played this year and put them in a bowl game, you still would have leftover space. Um, but I imagine you're going to have some games cancel. The Red Box Bowl has already decided they're not going to put it on this year. I'm sure there's going to be a few more, but um, I, I do expect at this point with the way cases are going down to national trends and stuff like that, that there are going to be bowl games played at some point. So uh, I think that would be a nice reward for an otherwise uh, unprecedented and ridiculous season uh, to go to some kind of a bowl game. And Sam Williams might be the guy that, that pushes you over the edge in uh, those, those toss-up games that Ole Miss has on that schedule. I think he's that important. And we'll, we'll see where it goes. Uh, I honestly, I don't know more than, than really that there's some growing optimism that he'll be able to return the team. I don't really know when. Um, if, in fact, what he was charged with is not true, if it didn't happen at all, that's that's a real shame. And, and an accusation like that should be met with a punishment that is equal to what his would have been. But again, I don't know. I don't know really what happened um, or, or how this is going to work. I just know that there's some optimism that he, he may be able to return to the team. So uh, I, I won't speculate any any further than that. But uh, some good news, or potential good news anyway, coming from Ole Miss's camp. And then you might have some bad news. And I, honestly, I don't really know uh, what this means in terms of specifically Otis Reese for Ole Miss. Uh, story came out yesterday, excuse me. Story came out yesterday about the NCAA. And uh, they are furloughing Everybody. Uh, everybody. Um, according to the AP, the NCAA will furlough its entire Indianapolis-based staff of about 600 employees for three to eight weeks in a cost, uh, cost-saving measure, um, except for the executive team, who make millions. Uh, the furloughs will not affect people like Mark Emmert, who makes a gaudy salary to be grossly incompetent. My question is, um, what does this mean for somebody like Otis Reese? Otis Reese, who, as I understand it, is still awaiting to hear whether or not he will be eligible for this season. He transferred, I believe, back in January, uh, if I remember correctly, definitely earlier uh, than the guy who will now be the starting quarterback at Georgia, JT Daniels. Otis Reese transferred months ahead of Daniels. Daniels transferred in May and found out in June that he was immediately eligible. But Otis Reese 
transferred a long time ago and still has yet to find out. And my question is, and I haven't really been given a definitive answer, is what this means. If the entire staff at the NCAA, except for the executive team, because uh, we needed uh, another example of uh, that organization's corruption, um, does this mean that nobody's going to be processing waiver requests? And if it's three to eight weeks, that means that his request will not be processed in time uh, for the season. And that that would be just a shame. More than that, it's it's incompetence, but it's willful incompetence. And the fact that people, reporters even, still think that this organization somehow has the kids' best interest in heart and, and somehow should not be dissolved is, is truly mind-blowing. Because... Uh, these furloughs are going to hang a kid's eligibility over his head uh, until end of the season. When this decision could have been made a long time ago, it's not like these waivers require months and months and months and months of consideration. This is a decision that I guess apparently if he would have been transferring to Georgia would have been made pretty quickly. But since he was transferring away from Georgia to somewhere else, uh, the NCAA drags their feet and now there's nobody in the building to process that waiver request. The fact that he doesn't know still right now is enough for me to think the organization needs to be dissolved or or broken away from from the Power Five. And we've been given example after example over the years of why that should already be done. But, I mean, this is just... uh, You guys already know this. I've talked about this before, so I, I guess I'm a broken record. But the fact that Otis Reese does not know and that Ole Miss does not know whether or not he will be eligible in a year that does not count, that the NCAA has out front said this year doesn't count. Everybody gets the eligibility back, and they're still denying waivers or or not answering waivers is just truly mind-numbingly stupid. And the fact that university presidents, I know they're not sports-minded, but the fact that university presidents can sit back and let stuff like this happen to their students and their athletes constantly and do nothing about it is truly mind-blowing. Otis Reese should have an answer right now. Ole Miss should have an answer for him right now. And in the fact that they don't, it's, it's just so corrupt and wrong. But, hey, that's the NCAA for you. But now that they've gone on these furloughs, with the exception of the executive team, of course, uh, people making millions for doing nothing, uh, Otis Reese won't know. Hey, unless somebody's still working or somebody else is processing waiver request. When I read this article, when it's all of the Indianapolis-based staff, I imagine that um, the people that are processing these waiver requests are um, simply just not working. And if they haven't done his, I don't expect that we will know. And Ole Miss will know. I really don't. But I'm sure none of you guys are... Surprised by that. All right, turn the page. Here's the title of the podcast today. CBS does their annual, they call it expert picks, but Dennis Dodd is one of them, so I don't know how much of an expert you can call uh, this collection of guys. But they do a most overrated team. They do a most underrated team. They do bold predictions, one of which is from the aforementioned where he says Mississippi State's K.J. Costello will lead the SEC in passing. That is a bold prediction when he's going to throw significantly more passes than everybody else. 
No, bold would be like Kyle Trask or Bo Nix or something. Uh, KJ Costello, the guy that's going to throw 60 times a game, that's not bold at all. But they do that, and they do predicted order of finishes and stuff like that. Uh, I'll go through the other stuff quickly, and then we'll get to where Ole Miss is mentioned. On the most overrated teams, you have Texas A&M. That is Ben Kirchival. Uh, Georgia, according to Barrett Salee, he thinks Georgia's the most overrated team, and I tend to agree with him, actually. Uh, Dennis Dodds is Tennessee. Um, I think Tennessee's a four-loss team, to tell you the truth. Uh, I, I don't see them getting all that much hype, though. Um, Tom Fernelli says Auburn. Also, I don't see them getting all that much hype. And David Cobb says LSU. That's a pretty good selection there. Most underrated team, uh, Chip Patterson says Auburn. Uh, we get Kentucky uh, mentioned, Texas A&M. That's interesting because this is the the year where most people think that Texas A&M is in a put-up-or-shut-up mode, that it's time for them to win right now. And then Ole Miss for, or from Barrett Salee. Here's what he says. First-year coach Lane Kiffin made his mark on the college football world as an offensive genius. That reputation will be further solidified this season when he puts fuel additive in an already potent Rebel attack. The trio of quarterback John Rice Plumley, running back Jerry Ely, and wide receiver Elijah Moore is the most underrated three-headed monster in the nation. They finished 0-5 last season in games decided by one position, eight or fewer points. As long as the defense is decent, that kind of bad luck will not continue in 2020. The Rebels won't contend for the division title, but they're going to scare the daylights out of a lot of contenders. And that 0-5 record uh, in one-possession games is uh, a direct uh, indictment on coaching. A direct indictment on coaching. Uh, See, and that's a a good example of why I don't think Ole Miss is as far off as some people do. I've been warning you for a while that the record may not be good this season, and I don't think it will. But I also don't think they're as far off as some people do. It's just with COVID and a 10-game SEC schedule and stuff like that, I've, I've been weary of predicting them to like have a 500 record like some people are. Um, I think their personnel is a little bit closer than people give it credit for because they were so poorly coached over the last three years. Um, anyway. But this is just another example of the complete disconnect between national people and reality. And like I said on Monday's show, I mean, Plumlee could very well win the job. It's possible. Lane Kiffin may love him. I I don't know. I mean, it's possible. The kid showed flashes of being a really good SEC quarterback last year. And if he does win the job, um, there will be no qualms at all from me, and they shouldn't be from anybody. But all of the local reporting is that uh, Corral's the favorite right now. And what's mind-blowing to me is, is people just automatically implant Plumlee into the starting role, which I understand because he ended last season as the starter. But Lane Kiffin himself has been trying to tell anybody that's willing to listen that Plumlee is not... I mean, we haven't named him the starter. He's told told Dari Noka on the SEC Network, uh, there's a quarterback competition. Matt Corral does good stuff. He's in it. It may be him. And, like, everybody refuses to listen to him. It'd be different if Kiffin was keeping everything really close, not telling anyone anything at all. And you'll hear in the audio that I'm going to play for you uh, here in a little bit. Um, he's not get, tipping his hand at all as far as the competition goes. He, he's pulling the whole, well, you know, they both do good things. They both uh, do some things that we need to work on. We've got to protect the football. But So he's not giving 
his hand at all. But he is telling you it's a competition, straight up. Every time he's asked about it, that's what he says. And yet, and I like Barrett Salee a lot, I really do. Uh, yet people refuse to listen. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I mean, like I, I told you guys last week, Dari Noka's transition away from a Kiffin interview was, we know after Kiffin told him to his face that there's a quarterback competition and he really likes Matt Corral, the transition away from that interview was, well, we know there's no quarterback issue or controversy there in Oxford, but over in Columbia, Missouri. Like, he told you straight up to your face that there's a quarterback competition and you don't believe him. And Barrett Salee, who, again, I like. I really like him. I think he's, he's good at what he does. It's just not even mentioning Matt Corral. And somebody that covers the SEC should know that right now it's at least a competition without one guy being named the starter. It's a real competition, and the local sentiment is that uh, Plumlee's losing that competition. And maybe that's a smokescreen. It's possible that it is. Maybe Plumlee wins the job. That'd be fine. That'd be great. But the disconnect between national media and reality is crazy when you consider that Kiffin has been telling them that it's a competition. It'd be different if he wasn't saying anything at all, if he wasn't addressing it, if he didn't say on the SEC network that there's a competition and he likes Matt Corral. But he is out front telling you any chance he can get that, hey, I've got two. I, I got to choose between the two. It's it's not decided yet, and they just refuse to listen. It's cra- it's just crazy. And I mean, and Salee's not wrong. I think Ole Miss's offensive personnel is really good. They'll be able to score on some people. It's as he mentioned, the other side of the ball. It's can they stop anybody? That's what the season comes down to. I mean, there there are going to be so many different ways to preview this Ole Miss team, but I'll. I say this on the radio a lot, and I'll say it to you guys as well. Uh, football is a very complex game that's very simple to diagnose. Uh, it's a it's complex to prepare for as coaches, and, and it's it's intricate in the way it's done. But sometimes football is very easy to diagnose, um, like last year. Uh, so many people wanted to just overanalyze the Ole Miss offense and stuff, and quite simply, it's they needed a vertical threat, and they didn't have it. It's that simple. It's really that simple. And this Ole Miss football team's the same way when you're projecting them. It's it's simple. They're going to be able to score on a lot of people because they have offensive personnel. What was it, Lindy's, uh, that I told you guys about a few weeks ago that said Ole Miss had the number 12 running back room in the SEC? I mean, that is so not true. That is so not true. Uh, Ole Miss's running back room is, I would say... You probably put in the top 15, top 10 in the country. And yes, they're young. They're very young. But people will see. Uh, the running back room, they wouldn't trade with anybody. Except for maybe Alabama. <laughs> it's that good. And they believe in it that much. They've got an offensive line well thin. They have a handful of NFL guys on it. At least they think they do. And a receiver core that was just hamstrung so bad last year with a, an offense that didn't use them. But... They really believe in their offensive personnel, and you should too. I think they're going to be able to score on a lot of people. It's just it's, their wins and losses are going to come down to stopping people. Getting to the quarterback, 
freeing up their linebackers, who should be better than Ole Miss has had in a while as far as the linebacking core. It was a position that was neglected for a long time, and now they've actually got some decent pieces there in a really young secondary, and we'll see what happens with uh, Otis Reese. Um, that's kind of what it's going to come down to. But, I mean, Kiffin's got all the pieces in the world to work with offensively. I think they're going to be able to score with almost anybody. It's just whether or not they can stop people. It's really that simple. And we won't know until they play Florida to see whether or not they're going to be capable of slowing defenses down or slowing offenses down. It's that simple. But this is just another example of, of the complete disconnect between national people and the reality of Ole Miss's quarterback situation. It's entirely different. And I don't quite get it. Uh, but that's okay. Because you know, Lane Kiffin's the type of coach that has earned uh, capital. And whichever decision he makes, I don't think it should be or can be questioned. I think he's earned that capital as an offensive play caller and, and what he's been able to do. So whoever wins the job... It's going to be criticized. Watch. Watch. If Matt Corral wins the job, how could you not play Plumlee? And you'll get that kind of stuff nationally, but everybody around here has been telling you for a long time that that's possible. Uh, but that decision will be criticized. But it shouldn't be. Because uh, somebody like Lane Kiffin deserves the benefit of the doubt when it comes to offensive personnel decisions. Uh, so we'll see. Speaking of Lane Kiffin, I'm going to play this for you. Here's uh, po- some post-practice audio. He touches on a lot of stuff, including... Uh, how COVID affected their preparation. He said the defensive back room has been hit pretty hard, and uh, at one point he says uh, their injury report looked like a phone book. So that's not good. Uh, he talks about that. Talks about his quarterbacks, um, testing protocols, and, and stuff like that. I still think, and you'll hear Kiffin's answer when asked about a player that comes into close contact with somebody that tests positive. The fact that you can't test out of quarantine is is a misstep. And Kiffin says something about how, how they were going to be on some kind of a call this week to address that. I hope they're able to fix it because the NFL has shown you that false positives are a thing. And if you're not going to let a player test out of quarantine, uh, that's a big problem. If a guy comes into close contact with somebody that has it and a week later test negative multiple times, he still can't play. That, that's, that's really bad policy. And so maybe they're addressing that this week and they will fix it. So Kiffin talks a, a lot about that. Um, pretty insightful. He's really low-key in these kind of interviews. He, he, not, not a real high-energy guy, but you get a lot of information from him uh, in, in this cut. So I tried my best to, to get rid of all the, uh, the long pauses and stuff and the Zoom issues. Uh, so hopefully I got all of that out for you. Um, but pretty insightful stuff here from Kiffin. So I'll play this for you right now. Uh, here's Lane Kiffin met with the local media, uh, this week. All right. So, uh, good practice today. Um, very good energy from the players. I think this weekend, you know, was a lot of distractions going on, um, with schedule changes and, um, the walk. So, um, I think today got back to normal and um, you guys practiced really well today. Um, Saturday was moved to Sunday uh, as far as the scrimmage. Um, kind of similar scrimmages. Um, as far as the first one, uh, we did tackle, 
half the scrimmage. So had a lot of work to do there. Defensively, made a lot of explosive plays on offense, which again, you know, is good and bad when one side's doing well. So, you know, we are down a lot of players on defense, especially in the secondary. Um, so had a lot of work to do, but a lot of opportunities for um, some down-the-line kids to play. Yeah, Lane, if you will, can you kind of update us on the quarterback battle, uh, what you're seeing there, and uh, maybe if you're seeing some battles develop at other positions on the field? Um, yeah, the quarterbacks uh, both uh, made some big plays and did some really good things, um, you know, which is a lot of the explosive plays we just discussed. So I'm um, very pleased with their production. Um, they need to take care of the ball a little bit better. Um, but like where they're going with that, um, you know, we've got competition all over the place being a first year. And then, I mean, it's like pick out of a hat every day. You don't know who's going to be there. You know, I get texts in the morning, you know, these three people failed, you know, COVID tests and there's some more in close contact. So I, 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 I don't know. It's hard to even figure out who our first and second units are because it's changing so much. Yeah. Along those lines, Lane, I know you don't want to give out details, but how, is, is it the secondary of other have, have specific position groups been hit the hardest? Because that seems like the, the hardest thing to overcome is if there's multiple situations at one position. Yeah, I think as far as COVID, the DBs were hit the worst. Um, and then injury-wise, um, the tight ends have. So, but again, you got people rotating all over the place, you know, because – you know, there are a couple guys back, but when they first come back, they're not back. So, you know, we first were told 14 days, but then they're not back because once after the 14 days, then they got to go get more tests to make sure they're okay. And then they've got to be worked back in slowly. So, I mean, it's almost like if you get it, you're out for three weeks. So that's, it's <clears throat> a long time. Is it, is it harder to juggle? Some coaches have had years to build up depth and they can have third teamers, fourth teamers, whatever. Is it harder to juggle than you could have anticipated? Yeah, I think it's for a couple of reasons. One, you know, we're, we're, you know, not the deepest program in the conference. I don't think that would shock anyone. But <clears throat> two, we got so little background with our guys. So, you know, guy misses two, three weeks, you know, A, we barely know them from a, you know, person-to-person standpoint, but then they don't know our plays, then they're out, you know. If you've been in a program, you know, you're one of these other programs, you've had, you know, your seniors is their fourth year, you know. You've had everybody for at least a year except for your incoming guys. They already know your stuff. So, you know, actually for some programs where their rosters are, you know, really built up, you know, they probably wouldn't admit it. It's probably a good thing because they're going to have less injuries because less guys practicing. So, you know, they're, they're older guys or stars that already know everything. You know, they're, they're going to actually be more rested up throughout the year. Lane, on your defensive backs, are, are there people right now, I guess not only defensive backs, but across the board, do you, do you have people right now that you are concerned will miss the Florida game? Or do you think most of these people you're talking about will be able to come back and, and receive some reps? No, I think the people that will miss the Florida game will be between now and then. You know, I don't have the calendar, but isn't it like 24 days or something? So, you know, if the people that will miss that are the guys that fail, you know, the test next week and the week after that or the week right before the game. Uh, tell us about your offensive line competition, please. The play going on there. 
how close are you to having seven to eight that you feel good about and can trust in a rotation? Well, again, well, I'd say a week ago or so. So I think we've got three guys out in that group, um, you know, that have been out for a while with it. I think one has it and two are close contact. If I recall, I can't keep them all straight. So, I mean, our medical report, like a dictionary. So, um, I think there's three at that group, one that has it to their close contact. And so, you know, we've got another injury, um, to a guy that, that would have been starting. So again, we're just rotating around, but you know, if everybody was healthy, you know, um, feel really good about where that group is going with the, with the top guys. Yeah, Lane, with the COVID hit to the secondary and the injuries, is that kind of what prompted the move of Mark Britt to safety and how has he looked there? Yeah, I mean, that's the world we're in now, like we talked about. If you don't have a lot of depth and now you have these issues, you know, Mark Britt's true freshman just got here and um, barely had any practices, was doing good on offense, and we got hit so bad in a, in a 48-hour period that we brought him in, talked to him, and the next day he started at safety. So that's that's where you're at. It's pretty crazy. Coach, what do you think would have to happen as far as the COVID situation for the SEC to maybe postpone or cancel or forfeit a game? And I guess obviously they haven't made that decision, but in your mind, like how would you like to see that go? Well, I don't know. Have you guys seen, is there anything out there about how many scholarship players you have to have? You guys seen that? Okay, so... I was told somewhere that, you know, that there is going to be a rule. And I don't know if that's an SEC or NCAA rule. So, um, you know, someone told me that, you know, you got to have a set amount or else then, you know, the game game will be postponed, you know, each week. You know, I think it's something like 54 scholarship players. you got to have one quarterback, six offensive linemen, and three defensive linemen. Um, now I don't know if that's passed or was proposed, but you know, the operations gave me that. So, um, that'll be interesting. Yeah, Lane, you mentioned uh, in your opener about uh, the distractions you guys faced over the weekend and everything. Do you feel like that's something that's going to be ongoing throughout the season? Uh, I'd just like to hear your thoughts on that. Well, I think that that will be dictated more by what happens around the country. You know, when, the, you know, when, when something happens, you know, that draws attention, you know, to the issue, um, social injustice issues, uh, I would think then you're going to see, you know, reactions. So I definitely think it could be ongoing. <clears throat> on that note, you know, and we've talked to our players about that, you know, this is an issue going on around the country and that we're seeing and that, you know, um, is bringing attention to it, you know, but you know, this is not a local issue. You know, this is not an issue with the police around here. Um, and I've been here for a short time, but, you know, people telling me and stuff that, you know, they've been phenomenal around here. And so, you know, that, you know, our players marching or protest or whatever you refer to it as, that that was not at all, so we're on the same page, that was not at all directed at anyone local, you know, in this community, um, you know, um, or, or anyone near here. So um, just make sure that, that we're on that same page. Sorry. 
That's okay. Um, I, I was, I guess I'll follow up on that. I was going to ask something different, but are, do you all plan to meet with local law enforcement anytime soon to discuss those issues? Yeah, we do. I believe that's happening this week. Um, you know, uh, with players in local law enforcement. So, um, you know, that, that should be really good. My question I was going to ask was, was, uh, COVID related. Have you been given any sort of, um, I, I guess a blueprint, like if a player tests positive on, I, I guess you guys are testing Sunday, Wednesday, Friday, if a player tests positive on Sunday, is he definitely out for Saturday? Is there something that has to happen between that Sunday and Saturday for him to play? And, and then if a player tests positive on that rapid test on Friday, and a lot of those have been proven not to be all that reliable, is there any recourse to double check that if, if the player has no symptoms and that kind of thing? Yeah, I do not know the rapid answer. Um, we have a call tomorrow that we're going to get more information on that. But the other one, it's going to go back to symptoms. So, you know, if the kid fails the test on or test positive on Sunday, you know, and had symptoms Friday, well, you're looking at 14 days from that Friday. So you're looking at two games. Then he's got to come back and make tests and work back in. So you potential three games. Yes, kind of going off of what Neil and Nate have asked. Uh, do you know a threshold for what would have to happen, how many positive cases there would be for you guys to stop practicing? Has it gotten close, or is that kind of just a situation where you'd have to lose an entire position group? Uh, I don't want you to stop practicing because, to me, you know, no matter what you have, if you got something, you can go work with those guys. So, you know, you're going to get to some point that four, 25 and 40 days, so I'm sure – these guys that stop for a few days, they're going to make up those, but you're going to get at some point where there's no more spots to make up. So you'll just be wasting practices. So I'm sure we would still go out there no matter what we had and just work with whoever we had, even if you couldn't do all the drills. I mean, just a quick question. You said you moved all Saturday practice or the Saturday scrimmage was Sunday. Did you guys practice on Saturday and replace it Friday? I can't remember days anymore. Yeah, we were practicing. We were going to practice Friday, Saturday, practice Friday, scrimmage Saturday. Then came in Friday, you know, and the players decided, you know, they wanted to, you know, do the march. And so we moved that practice to Saturday and Saturday's scrimmage to Sunday and then gave a Monday off. Yeah, Lane, now that Tavius Robinson is eligible and available for the defense, what is the, the staff, you guys as a staff, envision for him as far as role and how he could be utilized? Because I'm assuming y'all went and got him with the idea he contributed immediately. Uh, we did, you know, obviously there's a little change in, you know, football for him. So, but he's doing really well, um, you know, has some really good pass rush tools. And so, you know, we look forward to incorporating that. Lane, a little bit bigger picture. You've coached conferences all over the country. Some of those won't be playing this year. Just from your perspective, do you think that college football can do a playoff and crown a champion without some of these conferences that usually play? This year, I don't. I had not thought of that, but yeah, I'm sure they can. Um, um, what are the? What's the joke? The you know, the two conferences that win the national championship are still playing, so I'm sure they'll, they'll be able to. Lane, how many scholarships do you have left over from the 2020 class, and when is the deadline to receive any more transfers? Uh, I don't like to really get into the exact numbers for for a number of reasons, but um, you know the deadline usually is your ad drop date. You know for your classes for your school. You know when's the last day you can get someone in. So um, 
I think it'd be, it'd be hard to add a player and it'd be hard to add a, you know, grad transfer right now. You know, we're so far into camp and stuff. Um, usually this late, if you're adding, it's more of someone that's, you know, got a, a number of years to play or, and usually they have to sit, sit the first year. So you're getting them in the program and then they're ready a year from now. All right, and that was Lane Kiffin uh, earlier this week meeting with the local media there in Oxford. Even though they're still not in person, they're doing it via Zoom, and they will uh, all all year long. So a lot of information there talking about the, the march with his players and uh, how they acknowledge that it's not a local problem, but they're still going to meet with local law enforcement. So I, I've seen a lot of uh, people push back on these kind of marches and say, well, well, what's the end game? You know, What do they want? Well, uh, you can at least... Uh, appreciate that they are willing to meet with local law enforcement to to try to engage in a dialogue. I think that's pretty cool that that the officers are willing to do that and that the players are, are willing to hear them out. I think that's cool. Um, also, the defensive backroom COVID thing uh, is concerning. Season's still a few weeks away, so maybe they can get that under control, but just underscores what everybody's going to be dealing with this year. Does not tip his hand on the quarterback battle whatsoever. Uh, refuses to do it. And... Uh, The transfer thing, Uh, the NCAA has really kind of screwed that up on purpose, by design. Uh, But I don't foresee them getting any graduate transfers unless there's one very last-minute surprise. So uh, really good stuff there from Lane. Uh, I've got to hang it up. I'm still just not feeling well. I've got to get myself right before I get down to Hattiesburg today. Uh, sinus infection, man, just kicking my butt. So thank you for for tuning in and making the podcast a part of your day. I really, really, really appreciate, appreciate you guys. Go by LB's, see Greg, tell him we sent you. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Borky. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Hit that subscribe button, rate, and review it. And I will talk to you again tomorrow morning. I'll be back with a new episode uh, tomorrow morning. So until then, have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the football tonight. Mississippi College football is back uh, with Southern Miss. Enjoy that, and I'll talk to you again tomorrow. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.